Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. Our goal is that this message builds your faith and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. And I want you to grab your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6. If you don't have your Bibles, you can look up on the screen, but we want to honor God's word today. We want to honor him and, and just give him the love due unto his name. We love him so much. Someone to say, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. We're continuing the series, Jesus is King. Jesus is King. And uh, we love this thought. Uh, we've always known Jesus is King. But most of the time, we don't recognize it and walk in our daily walk. We have to be reminded. We're human. We're human. Sometimes we can think that we're being overpowered by systems of the world or uh, by people or by problems, but the truth is, is that you're under his protection, under his power, under his authority, if you understand kingdom mindness or the kingdom of God. And so to recognize the kingdom, you first have to recognize the king. And today we're going to talk about him and continue this lesson. I, I pray that you have, uh, you're ready to take notes, whatever you're ready to do. Uh, you don't want to miss this today. and or Go home and listen to it again on the podcast or YouTube channel. You can check out every one of our sermons there or download the app. It's a great way to stay connected. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12 says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, to which you are also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I urge you in the sight of God to give life who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate that you keep this commandment without spot, blemish, blameless until the Lord Jesus Christ's appearing which he will manifest in his own time he who is the blessed. Everyone say, he's the blessed one. And only potentate, say potentate. The king of kings and the lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, who no man has ever seen or can. And everlasting power. To whom be honor and everlasting power. Now, the last portion of this scripture is describing the kingship of Jesus Christ. It is explaining his ability to stand as God and showing us how it's not saying that he's unapproachable because he is too high in, in mentality or too high in character or personality in any way of expression of his being, but it's simply saying that his makeup as the deity, the creator, the holiness of God, the light of God is so bright and his, his deity is so powerful that no human being can stand in his presence and no one has ever seen God. The Spirit of God is very... Uh, it's okay, they're working with the mics. They're trying to get me leveled out. But Jesus Christ said that he has known God, he has seen the Father, and he knows what he looks like, and he's known of God. I'm telling you that we have a privilege of knowing him as our king and not just king but lord and savior and there are certain things and attributes of the king that we're going to grab today another principle that we're going to put into our arsenal and our and our, and our dna and understand the principle today that we're going to teach about him being the king today we're going to be talking about the scepter the scepter of the king about the scepter of the king and his authority in our life. 
How many of you know that you have authority? You have authority. I'm going to explain that to you today and help you distinguish the difference between power and authority and your legal right in, the, in God's earth to reign with him. You are legally, legally standing in the presence of the king and you have been blessed by the king to carry out your assignment. You're not just anybody. You are somebody in Christ Jesus. Let's bless this service today. Now you pray. Come on, ask the Lord to bless it. Ask him to anoint me. Ask him to touch and anoint your ears and your hearts. Father, we receive every blessing from you today. We thank you. We thank you, God, for what you're doing today and what you're going to do in our lives. There's nothing impossible for you to do. There's nothing, nothing too hard, Father, nothing too hard at all. We know that, God, nothing can happen without you and that, God, through you all things are possible. Father, bless today. Let every heart be receptive. Let every mind, God, be clear. And, Lord, we thank you. Thank you for the deposit that you're putting into us today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say amen. Amen. Give the Lord one more, one more ovation and applause and praise. Turn around to somebody and tell them you've got authority. You have authority. And you can be seated. You can be seated after you do that. The Bible is not a religious book. And the Bible is not about religion. The Bible is not about religion, although it mentions some religious figures in there, and although it may have had some, some traditions and rituals that needed to be carried out by the priest in the Old Testament. This word, this Bible that we have in the written word of God is not about religion. It's about a king and his kingdom. The Bible is actually the constitution of that kingdom and that country we call heaven. It is the book that we live by, to, that we reference, that gives us identity, it gives us clues, and, and it reveals mysteries concerning our place in Christ Jesus. First off and foremost, you understand that Jesus is real by the experience you have received by faith. The moment you have confessed Christ as your Lord and Savior, and the moment you have asked him to forgive you of your sins because he is the only one who can forgive, because he is the only one that was worthy to pay the price. But there is something that meets you in this earth. You receive a heavenly visitation personally from the king himself who not only loves you so much and gave his life for you and I, but he has reached out with his royal scepter and he has ordained you to become sons of the most high God. Not only did he save you, he gave you an inheritance and called you by his name. He called you by his name. You have identified with his name. When you were water baptized, you took on the name of Christ in your life. You were born into a kingdom. It's part of what God has planned from the very beginning to establish his body, to establish a group of people, not just a group of children, but royal children, royalty. Some of you may be mesmerized by by royalty and looking at the weddings that have transpired this past year and all the things that have happened throughout the decades possibly. But I'm, I'm going to tell you that is nothing to be compared to when you think of the royalty of God in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Nothing. There are angels that are there beside you. There are things that have transpired in the kingdom. And we have to understand what it is to live under that kingdom, in the kingdom under the king. You have to understand it because we're so used to understanding a democracy. A democracy is where the people have placed 
their leader in the position. They voted him in. A democracy is where the people have validated and come up with laws. Well, they have written the Constitution that we live under. And the governing factor and the governing, the governing of, of, of those laws are distributed down to local levels. And you can walk out of here and violate the law and you can be subject and penalized by violating any one of these laws that have been established, and even at a local level, a state level. But there is a big difference when you're walking in the kingdom and there's a law that has been broken and that's, there's also been a body that was broken for you also in case you break the law. In case we fall short, we have forgiveness, we have reconciliation, we have power through his mercy and through his grace because of the shed blood and the sacrifice of the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. There is so much to this, but, but the reality is, is that he was both lion and lamb. He was both uh, dominant in the kingdom, in the animal kingdom. The lion is considered one, is the king of the kingdom in the animal kingdom. But, but in the animal kingdom, the lamb is considered one of the most simplest and ignorant animals, if you will, that, that simply complies to whoever's around and whatever's around to lead them and to guide them. It shows both strength and weakness, but Jesus became man and he became God and he was God. And then he came into this world to exemplify, to, to give us example to who he really was. And so the king came into this world and gave his life for you and I. And then we are born into that kingdom from which he came. And we have certain privileges being a part of this kingdom. So you have to understand kingdom, which means that Jesus laid down his own life and he raised it up. He was resurrected. He did ascend unto the Father. He was, and he now sits on the throne. Read the book of Revelation. For there is one who sits on the throne, both lion and lamb. But our votes didn't put him there. This is a kingdom. He was royalty before he ever came into this world. Born of a virgin, overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, with royal blood in his veins, carried all the way down from Adam through every king who ever was. Jesus came into the world through a priesthood as well. And when Jesus was established as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, it came after his trying. It came after his temptation. But no one put him there. He put himself there. And the laws in this kingdom is the law that comes out of the king's mouth. It is the word of God. And we have been blessed to have men and women used by the spirit of God. The, 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 the Bible says that every word is what's given by inspiration by men and women as they were moved by the Holy Spirit to inscribe what the spirit of God has said to them. And what validates the Bible our, our constitution is this, is that you can read the Bible that is comprised of 66 books. And when you read that Bible that has been transcribed from the original transcripts of Hebrew and Greek from different people at different times who lived in different places who never knew each other, it all coincides together. Jesus himself quoted from the Bible and used it to defeat the devil. This Bible can be trusted. You can believe the word of God. It has been tried, it has been tested, and it is true. Voltaire tried to do away with the Bible at one point. He, tried, he was an atheist that came and tried to destroy the Bible. And when he tried to destroy it, 
He was to none effect. Today, his house was purchased, and they actually use his house to distribute Bibles out of it now. Men have tried to burn it. Men have tried to do away with it, but it's still here. God said in the book of Revelation, no, no man take away from the prophecies that were in this book. If they do, he would take their name out of the book of life. So there are some, I'm going to say stipulations. I'm going to say there are some principles. There are some guidelines for us. And Jesus said it best when he said, heaven and earth will pass away, but this word will not pass away. So I've said all this to say this, that and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And in the kingdom, the king owns everything. In a democracy, you've been given the privilege to own your property. But in a kingdom, if you live in the kingdom, everything in the kingdom belongs to the king, and you're just there renting. That may burst some of your bubbles. You just can't go back to your paperwork and say, see, it isn't his, it's mine. I paid for it. I worked hard for it. Don't tell him that because he may just take it from you. <laughs> everything we have and everything that's in this world, if you don't believe it, read the scripture. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. You may have some documentation, but in heaven, it belongs to him. It belongs to him. Now, we've taught this in the church where... God created the heavens and the earth, and on the fullness of the earth, it belongs to him. But the airwaves belongs to Satan because he robbed it when Adam sinned. I'll let you do the study and go back and look and, and listen to sermons. But when God established his kingdom, now he's given us the privilege to dominate the airwaves and the influence and defeat opposition. So we take back what rightly belonged to us. And standing here, Here's what you have to think about. When you understand kingdom, you understand that you, you, you no longer have to have a poverty mentality. Because in the kingdom of God, it is, isn't just rich, uh, middle class, and poor. In the kingdom of God, it's a commonwealth. In the kingdom of God, it is commonwealth. Well, the playing field has been leveled out. Now, there are some that have been called to be provisionaries. There are some that have been called into the kingdom to be a blessing in different ministries. But all in all, we all receive the same reward and have the same God who provides all of our needs according to his riches and glory. That's why you should never get jealous at anybody else that you go to church with or see that as a believer that has been blessed in certain areas. It could be that they understand kingdom principle. It could be that they understand everything belongs to the Lord and they pay tribute to the king and they understand that it belongs to him so they work and they honor him accordingly. But he said it. For everyone, he shall supply our needs. But here's what's powerful about this, is that once you have the approval of the king, you have authority. Jesus had to go through some things for you and I to become the king. Hell mocked him. Hell made fun of him. While he was on this earth, listen to John chapter 19, verses 2 and 3. And the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put it on, his, on him a purple robe. Then they said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck him with their hands. Here's what you need to gather and understand from this one portion of Scripture. Wherever hell mocks you is just a dead giveaway for where God wants to put you. I'm going to repeat that so some of you can grab this because some of you are being mocked right now, made fun of in your spirit. You may not have people making fun of you, but you feel like 
I don't know if I'm able to do this. I don't know if I'm capable of doing this. I don't know if I'm called or qualified. I don't know if this is ever going to work. Those, those little tauntings, it, you're not listening to the right spirit. There are many voices in the world. The only spirit you should be listening to is the Holy Spirit. That's it. And you need to learn the voice of God to hear the word of God to understand what you're being led by, who you're being led by. And when those soldiers took those crown of thorns and they were mocking him and they placed them on his head, I'm going to tell you, they did you and I the biggest favor in the world. All they were doing was prophetically putting a crown upon the head of Jesus the crown of royalty that would one day exemplify his power to you and I, the power to overcome sin, the power to overcome poverty, the power to overcome that condemnation and guilt in our life to set your mind free. Somebody give him some love right now. If you know he set your mind free, some of you, I, I, I know we, we know how we used to think, but now you're sanctified, you're saved, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're in your right mind, you're in the house of God, you're not laying in bed with a hangover this morning, you're in the house of God in your right mind. In your right mind. I mean, who would have ever thought? I didn't know some of you, B.C., But I knew me, and I've got to tell you, I don't have the same mind I used to have. I don't have the same desires I used to have. I am not the same person I used to be. I mean, I am the least of any of us here that even deserves to be up here trying to teach you something. But I'm going to tell you, life has a unique way of giving us a good education, and the God of glory has a unique way of helping us learn it, overcome it, understand it, and helping others. <clears throat> Somebody say, thank God for the blood right now. Come on, give us some praise. Lift up your voice. Now, Again, wherever the devil mocks you in specific areas of your life and specific areas are the areas that really God is fixing to bless or wants to bless or has you have been destined to be blessed in. That's why some of you that are going through money problems right now, it seems like you've been there for a long time. To me, here's the concept with that. The bigger the problem, the harder they fall. The bigger the battle, the bigger the victory. The longer the wait, the more gratifying it's going to be when God brings it to pass. Never, ever give up because your king, your, the high potentate, the majesty from on high, the only king to the wise God whom Paul said who was eternal, immortal, and invisible. He said he is capable to do whatever you ask or think according to the power that works inside of you. Inside of you. Somebody say God is able God is able, and listen to this. We look at it now, but then we look back, and then we understand that God had a plan. Luke chapter 9, verse 22 says, The Son of Man, even Jesus said, The Son of Man must suffer many things, and he rejected, and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed and be raised the third day. He said, I have to do it. I have to go there. You see, when Jesus was on this earth, he was the prince destined to be king. And in his, what I call, inauguration, when he came in in that triumphant entry into Jerusalem, it was his inauguration. It was when he allowed for the very first time to be acknowledged as the Messiah, as royalty, as the king. But he came in lowly and came in on a donkey. And he came into Jerusalem. And he allowed them to lay palm branches before him and cloths, clothing, and allow them to give their commodities at their feet, at his feet, to honor him and to reverence him. He allowed this to happen. This was all part of the plan. See, most people were looking for chariots and they were looking for armies. 
They were looking for royalty, but they missed it because in the kingdom of God, your royalty is in the heavens. We should never, we should never, no one should ever judge anyone from the outward appearance. You should never judge anyone by the car that they drive. Never judge anybody by the house that they live in. Never judge anybody by the clothes that they wear. I had, a business, I had a business friend of mine tell me sometimes, he'd say, hey, man, don't let the clothes fool you. But see, God sees the heart. God looks in the spirit. And whatever spirit you're a part of, whatever spirit you have, that is the one you would display. Jesus was tried, but he overcame. Jesus was tried, but he overcame. Hebrews 4 and 15 says, For we have not another high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. That's what made the difference there. He was presented to the eternal God and went through every trial, and he qualified to be king because as a prince, he did not sin. He even compared Jesus to a lamb that said he was taken before the slaughter, the shearers, and yet he opened not his mouth. He didn't say or complain about one problem because he recognized in his life as his destiny, all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. And Jesus was purposed to be king. So there is no way that the devil could try to rob him of his destiny as long as he stayed in the will of God, in the will of the Father. He knew that he would be king one day and there would be nothing that can stop it. Just like David. David was anointed to be king and he knew it and Saul didn't like it. Saul was upset. Saul was jealous. There were men that were trying to destroy and take his life. But David knew, I was anointed by Samuel. I was anointed to do great things. I'm going to stay faithful. I'm going to keep doing what I was meant to do. And one day, I'm going to sit on that throne because God promised it. Well, what I'm trying to tell you is, is that you have to follow the example of your king and understand that not everything works out and goes the way we need them to go or want them to go sometimes. Sometimes we have to go through rough patches. Those rough patches were meant to take the rough edges off of your life, though. Those rough patches that you have been through, those places of being lonely, places of feeling destitute, places of feeling vulnerable, a place of feeling like you have no resource or uh, you don't know how things are going to work out, uh, you know, those areas of your life, I believe, were meant to be cherished where you and I in those moments have to learn how to trust in God. We have to learn how to trust him, how to know and understand. Listen, you fall into the same category that Jesus did when it comes to your royal bloodline. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm telling you, he said he would be the king of small kings. You missed it. I don't know if any of you caught that or not. The crown came with a high price. The approval of the father was upon the son. And he was the only one. He was the only one that could stand in this world in human form that God could reach out and ordain him to be the king that he always wanted in this earth. But not only in this earth, but in the heavens. And not only in the heavens, but beneath the earth. Jesus fulfilled all areas that, we, that are known to man. Jesus overcame every obstacle in the earth. He went down to hell overcame every obstacle in hell, came out of hell with keys to the keys. Listen, the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He dominated over there so you don't have to go there. 
He dominated in that area, and then he ascended up on high, which means that from everything between earth and heaven, in every spiritual realm, where every demonic force is at, he is the high potentate, the majesty on high, who calls the shots, and his word carries power and authority, and you and I are seated with him. I don't know if you got that or not. The king is on the throne, and he said, hey, you don't have a place to sit. Don't worry. You can sit with me. I, I don't know if anybody's getting this or not. Some get it. I mean, I'm not, a, I'm, not, I'm not the kind of preacher that needs some feedback, but I just want to know, are you getting this right here? Uh, you know, because, because you are seated with him in heavenly places, far above all principality, power, dominion, and might, all angelic beings, all demonic forces, all darkness. He brought you out of that darkness into his marvelous light, bright light that Paul told Timothy about, an unapproachable light. That's why the devil can't look at you sometimes because it's just too bright. You want to know how to defeat the enemy? Would you really like to know how to, how to defeat the devil? Sit with him in heavenly places. No, 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 no. You have to sit with him. Someone give me a chair right now. Give me a chair. Ah, oh, Lord Jesus, help me right now, Lord. Okay. You see, I have a decision to make. I have a choice. We all have choices. Sitting down is a choice. Sitting down in a particular chair is a choice. Now, God isn't going to take you like your mom and dad took you when you were younger. Oh, was that just Latinos? You ever had your mom and dad grab you by the ear? Raise your hand if you ever had your mom and dad. Nobody? Okay, well, yeah, okay, well, you know, no one's going to grab you by the ear and say, okay, come here, tonto. Sit right here. Sit here. I told you, well, Mom, I'm in trouble. Dad, they keep messing with well, Because you need to sit here with me and stay out of trouble. Well, my finances aren't working the way they need to work. I don't know why. Every blessing of God seems to be stopped. I feel like my prayers are, are hindered. Well, maybe because you're not sitting with him. You're not sitting with him in heavenly places. How do you sit with him? You have to decide where you're going. See, sitting is a type of rest. When I am, when I am standing, I choose to occupy this space. And, you know, sometimes if I'm stubborn, I'm just not going to move. Stubbornness and ego are the true enemies of every man. Ego, pride, arrogance. I'm fine. I'm okay. See, men show this whenever they're driving and they're lost, right? <laughs> and it's funny because we'll listen to the voice in the screen because she's all British and everything, right? <laughs> I get British. She's so sexy. And your wife is trying to tell you, no, honey, you need to take a right. Let's listen to her. I mean, she's the smartest one in the car. What you didn't know is that the automotive company forgot to download the new program, and they didn't download the one after the construction. So you can be misled by old paths and old ways. You can be misled with old directions. See, in the kingdom of God, you have to constantly stay in prayer to allow God to download the path set before you. It's a fresh path. You have to stay updated. And when he calls you to do something, he doesn't want you to do all the work. He wants you to learn how to rest in him, rest in his kingship, rest in his authority, Rest in his ability. Rest in his capability. Did you know just by sitting in the presence of God, he can get more work done 
than you can by yourself standing up trying to put your hands to it. Did you know, I don't know who I'm talking to, but did you know you've been trying to, here's another one, you've been trying to figure out how do I find the right people to work for me so I don't have to work so much and delegate all this stuff and find the individuals? Let me tell you how this works, okay? There's a man in the Bible by the name of Cornelius. Cornelius didn't know what to do, but God had more for him. So God spoke to another man who was in prayer sitting down in heavenly places, and God knew that that man had authority. His name was Peter. So while Peter is sitting down in his place in Christ, this one comes around over here before the king and says, I, I, I give you offering, I give you my alms, I pray to you always. And all of a sudden, a, a, a messenger steps in, an angel steps in and speaks to Cornelius. And Cornelius, in that 10th chapter of the book of Acts, is now given a message and said that there's going to be someone that is going to come to tell you what you need to do. Now, they lived in different towns. But somehow in the spirit, they connected. It's called networking. And God networked them together and brought the answer, and salvation came to Cornelius' house. Go read Acts chapter 10, all that took place. They were baptized in water, they were baptized in the spirit, and they were entering into the kingdom, and now they were part of royalty and the same citizenship that Peter was a part of. You see, Peter had a problem. Peter said, I don't know, Lord, when he started talking to him and giving him the assignment, the Lord gave him a vision, and the vision was, it was a blanket, and it was held by four corners, and there were unclean animals on the inside of it being lowered in front of Peter while he was in prayer. He had this vision. They were unclean animals. And the Lord said, Peter, take and eat. And Peter said, Lord, I'm not, I can't eat that. We've never any, eaten anything unclean. And the Lord said, don't call that unclean that which I have clean. See, unclean animals in the scripture are references to the Gentiles. And they weren't on the diet. But what happened was Peter was part of the body. Oh, man, I'm fixing to give you something. I hope I don't miss you. Peter was part of the body. Cornelius wasn't. He was a Gentile. Cornelius was the first Gentile that God was going to bring into the kingdom. But the only way they can come into the kingdom was they had to have a representative to come in from the body of the kingdom that believed the same constitution that heaven had, to have the same spirit of Christ, to have the king in their life, to bring them in. You don't just go into a kingdom unannounced because if you go into a kingdom unannounced, you'll get slain. No one walks into the presence of the king unclean. But Jesus shed his blood, and this is what he told Peter, take and eat. And he said, why? He says, because, Peter, I want to bring the Gentiles into the body. You missed it. I'm going to bring the unclean now into the body. You represent the body. Now take and eat. I don't know about that, God. I don't know if we can allow Gentiles to come into what we got going on here. He said, no, you're going to go, and I'm going to show you. There's a guy by the name of Cornelius. I'm going to make him part of the kingdom now. And that's what that meant. That's what that meant. That was a prophecy. That was a vision. He wanted to bring the Gentiles in, and then he brought them in. See, Cornelius, we have a lot to thank him for. Thank God he was a giver. He was a prayer warrior. He was a person who loved God, a person who gave his heart to the Lord before he even was in part of the dispensation that we live in now. He was the first Gentile that God came and brought into the kingdom. But look at all of you. I know most of you are not from the Jewish descent, but I'm telling you here right now, if it wasn't for the blood of Jesus, and if it wasn't for the prince who became a king, and it wasn't for the lamb that became a lion, that you and I wouldn't even be sitting here, but God brought us into the body. God brought us into the body. He brought us into this world, and and, and he gave us permission. See, we didn't have permission. We weren't even part of the kingdom but now he brought us in, not just to be part of the kingdom as citizens. He, oh my gosh, he brought us in as his children. 
Point number one of the only point I'm giving you today is this. You have authority when you are submitted to his authority. You have authority when you are submitted to his authority. I'm going to give you an example of what the symbols were and what there really was inside of the royalty and the example that we have when it comes to, to the power and the glory and the authority of the king. This is what we call the crown jewels. Every monarch has crown jewels, every monarch. And there are still some monarchs that exist in the world today. The UK is one of them. You've got different ones around the nation, Poland. Did you know that, um, did you know that Canada was a monarch, under a monarch? And did you know the influence of still the queen? And did you understand that, that, that in Rome, the pope is actually a king? He's not a priest, he's a king. Because the Vatican City is actually a city within itself, a kingdom. There are still monarchs around the world. Did you understand that, that uh, that's what people in the scriptures were used to referencing? Was kings like Caesar? So when you read the Bible, you have to understand the concept of kings and kingdoms, not democracies. Kings and kingdoms. So when you read the scripture, you'll get a revelation, understanding. And this is a little pixelated, excuse me. But, but the crown represented the power of the king, which represented his authority, the power. God is the head of Christ. You see, the headship and the power that he has was significant. So the person who wore the crown is the person who had the power. When you, when you try to understand the difference between power and authority, you have to look at what the Scripture says about Jesus, really, and, and understand that I, you can't be impressed with people who have power. You can't. You have to, to realize that there are people that God has put into our life that have authority with power. For example, when Esther needed help, Esther could have gone to anyone that had power and authority to take Haman out. But you see, power that, to take Haman out, anybody that could overpower Haman, you know the story of Esther? Okay, well, anybody could have overpowered Haman. But she needed someone with authority because he was a government official. He was one of the king's men. So Esther chapter 5, verses 2 and 3 says, So it was when King Esther saw, when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court. You see, she knew that she had to take a chance and approach the king uninvited. Anyone who ever walked into the presence of a king uninvited would have to deal with the consequences. The one who wore the crown had the power to do so, the authority and the presence. Esther walks in uninvited and the king in his sight and the king held out to Esther the golden scepter, which was this right here. That represented his authority. That means that he gave permission, allowance. He was pleased with Esther. He was pleased. And he said, then Esther went near and touched the top of the scepter. As he gave it out and he stretched it out, she went near and she touched, she touched the top of it, which gave her permission which he said, I'm going to bless you because you are pleasing to me. She went through preparation. I mean, she went through uh, getting the essential oils on her, all the fragrances, and she went on a fast, a three-day fast. She, we talked about this last week. She made everybody fast. I mean, everyone was fasting in the kingdom for Esther. 
for this one moment just so she can come into the king's presence. I'm going to tell you, prayer and fasting will give you favor when you step into God's presence. It will. It will change things. I don't know what happens when you fast, but when I fast, I'm going to tell you something. Things happen because your flesh is done away with. That pride, the voices of your flesh, that rebellion, that ego, and all those things, and the Spirit of God, you're able to hear and be tender and comply to it. It's a brokenness in the presence of God, and that's another study, another sermon, but, but fasting and prayer works. And she fasted, and the king said to her, what do you wish, Queen Esther? What do you wish? What is your request? It shall be given to you up to half of the kingdom. Up to half of the kingdom. Can you imagine? What would you have asked for? I mean, you would have, I mean, no, no, you're hopefully, you know, thank God she fasted for three days, right? Because she would have probably been like, you know what? I know Haman's upset with us, but I mean, I'm a queen and I don't know I could be in trouble anyways, right? So I would sure like that new card again, right? A new purse, new shoes. God, can you imagine if we didn't have the Spirit of God in our life to change our heart, our simple, egotistical requests that we would bring before God? In fact, the Scripture says it like this, you know, the reason you have not, James said, you know, you have not because you ask not, is what he said. And then he said, you have not because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your own flesh. God is not going to answer your fleshly, carnal prayers out of driven out of your own ego and own imagination that are misleading and misguided by demonic spirits either. He is not going to answer those prayers. That's why prayer and fasting gives you clarity to hear what the voice of God says and what the word of God says to help you learn how to pray, to pray the will of God, to help you understand what God's will is. So Esther said, Yes, I, I want to meet with you. I have something to discuss with you. So, so this is it. The scepter was a symbol of the king's authority. He blessed her. When someone gives you authority, they are giving you approval. Someone say approval. approval. Write that down. When someone gives you authority, they are giving you their approval. Not everyone has the authority to pull you over when you're speeding in town because you break the law. There are certain men and women that have been approved by the local government, state government, to hand you a ticket and make you slow down. Now, they can't make you, but I promise you, you're going to want to, no matter how mad you get. You can take it to court and argue with them all you want to, but I'm going to tell you, They've been approved by someone with higher power than you have to exercise that authority. You know, anybody, it doesn't matter. You know, it's funny. They can drive, your car may be even faster than their car. You think I go just outrun them. <laughs> their car may be slower, but they got lights on the top of it. Everyone in town's going to know, oh, my God. Hey, didn't I see you yesterday? Hey, Pancho, man, was that you? Was that you? <laughs> they got the siren. They have the lights. They put them on. That proves they've been given authority to do something. Now, you may have a faster car than someone. I'm, I don't know why I'm talking about maybe somebody got a ticket recently. I don't know. I've learned just to follow the Holy Ghost and just follow what I feel. But, but here's, here's what I do know. I do know that, that it doesn't matter. Anybody can pull you over, but unless they have authority to do so, they can't do anything to you. You have to respect authority. You have to understand authority. When the king reached out his scepter, he reached out and he gave approval. Now, let me give you some examples of this. Let me give you some examples. Matthew chapter 17, verse 5. While he yet spake, this is when Jesus was baptized. Did you know that when you're a water baptized, God puts his seal of approval upon you? Your water baptism is a significant sign of God's approval in your life. Of God's approval. 
listen to this. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. This is my son. In other words, the father gave approval in front of everyone. He wasn't the only one that heard the voice. Jesus wasn't the only one. It was everyone around there that heard this voice. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Sound like a pirate, right? That's a pirate? Hear him. He has my approval. Now, what did that mean? I'll tell you what it meant. What it meant was is that he gave him right of passage to walk in this earth with authority. And that means that everyone Jesus came encountered with that had a problem with God had a problem with him. If they had a problem with Jesus, they had a problem with God, vice versa. That means that anyone who touched Jesus touched God. That means that anyone he came in contact with that was given problems in the spirit, that all he had to do was cast out that spirit because he had authority over that spirit because he had approval from the Father. He had money problems. Yes, Jesus had a money issue one time. Now, I don't know if he really had a money issue or he just did this to show to Peter how God can provide. But Peter said, where are we going to get the money to pay our taxes? Jesus said, go to the seashore, find a fish, open his mouth, and there the taxes are going to be. And he found a fish, he opened up the mouth, and there the money was, and he brought it, and he paid their taxes. Why? Because Jesus had the authority and the approval of the Father that any problem he came in contact with, he can be, again, he can just simply speak what the Father said, and it happened, he had full authority over every area, over every area. I'm going to tell you something. I don't pray for money or finances anymore. I haven't prayed for money and finances for a very long time in the sense of, you know, every day, oh, God, I pray for, 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 for bless me with this. I need this. I need that. What I've learned to do, I've learned to speak the covenant and the blessings of God that have been given to me in the Scripture, and I've learned how to praise him for it and learn how to walk in it, and I've got a revelation and understanding that I am part of a royal kingdom, that it's a commonwealth, and he promised that he would supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. And I've also got a revelation. You need to write this down. Here's a revelation God gave me. I've learned that the blessings that come into my life are always tied to my assignment in the kingdom. Always. They are always signed. They are always attached to my assignment. I've been telling people this for years, and someone's going to catch it one day. If you want to see your